The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Scrum.org. Hello, I'm Leslie Morse, and this is the Women in Agile podcast. I'm torn, excited, honored, and honestly a little sad. This is the final installment of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series, and similar to the opening of the discussion with Lisa Adkins for this episode, there are lots of mixed emotions going on. We recorded this conversation the week of Thanksgiving 2020, and while nearly six months have passed since then, I can easily transport myself back to the way it felt to have this conversation with her. We hit on some serious topics in this episode. We challenge ways of thinking, and we call forth all of us as Agilists to seek ways that we can make an impact on the world. One of my favorite quotes from Lisa is when she says, the world got complex and then it called forth the need for Agile. We've been training for the times in which we live and we have the skills needed to create a better place for everyone to live, work, and thrive. So settle in for this episode and take a moment to celebrate the mini series. As I've said before, it's an honor for the Women in Agile podcast to be the home for this content. And I'm still in awe of the fact that I got to have all of these conversations with someone I admire and respect so much. Lastly, Don't forget, Lisa and I would love to hear from you on what you've learned from the Coaching Agile Teams mini-series. Please find us on LinkedIn and let us know what you think. And if you've missed some episodes and want to catch up, you can find a summary of the entire series by visiting online at www.womeninagile.org slash CAT. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Hi, Leslie. Um, I just want to check in with how we're emotionally doing before we record today, because something is suddenly very present for me. Um, So when you just sort of, if you were just going to kind of close your eyes and scan your body, what emotions are you present with? It's more a sensation. I'm present with a sensation of like pressure around my heart. Mm -hmm. Like my heart feels really full and um, there's a lot of conflicting potential emotions that could arise from my heart at any moment. Oh, I can feel that. Hmm. Knowing what we're going to talk about today, that that puts a, a, a little anxiety in my stomach, but not in a bad way, but it's more of an anxious bubbling of possibility. Hmm. I'm, I'm suddenly very aware of um, pressure behind my eyes and almost the feeling of tears. Yeah. Um, that are welling. Because um, this is the last episode we're recording and the last episode of the mini series that we've been working on together. And so there's there's sadness in that, mm-hmm. um, but also tears of joy and completion and all of these things. Yeah. And people are going to start to hear this soon. And so my yeah. mind can move toward the excitement I have for what people will hear and what they will do with it or how it will make them think about things differently. And also, I got to say, I'm going to really miss working with you. Yeah. I mean, we've had this project to do for the last few months, and it, in a lot of ways, has been a lifeline for me. The same. It has been, um, I, I feel, uh, in, you know, at, at moments, coached and mentored and supported and just such a wonderful friend. So thank you mm-hmm. for this gift. Thank you, listeners, for being out there in the world and, and sparking the, the inspiration for us to like provide content and creating this container for Lisa and I to come together. 
Um, we're actually we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. So like yeah. that is true thankfulness in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But gosh, it's just already the shifts and sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, these two minutes of mm-hmm. us chatting already. Yeah. And what's happening already is my, my heart where there was pressure for it. it wasn't hurting or anything. There was pressure. And now there's just a lot more flow in that area of my body. I can feel the sensation of, um, more uh, receptivity and openness and sort of like everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I, I want to pull on this, this heart metaphor, I guess, if metaphor is the right word, because this is going to be a heart centered conversation today, right? We've led people through this, you know, 10 themes of conversation around, you know, the audiobook itself and how the words we use matter and all these mental models and these building blocks of agile coaching and all of this stuff. And today we really want to bring it back to the human element of us being each of us as an individual listener of this podcast series or us as is the people on the episode today, members of the collective society on this planet and how we as agilists have an opportunity to kind of go forth into our world and make a difference beyond what we classically think of in terms of our jobs as scrum masters and agile coaches and product owners or whatever that might be. Why, why is leaning into this idea of like what our higher calling could be uh, important for you? Well, it's important about leaning into the prospect of a higher calling is that if you look at what agile allows us to do in businesses, It's really a beautiful way of working with complexity in all of its forms, in all the places it arises. And so I look at that and I say, okay, that can't be an accident. Or even if it is an accident, let's take advantage of it. You know, I think about Agile as as just a really smart emergent response to a complex world. I don't think it's like agile and then the world got complex. I think it's the world got complex and it called forth the need for methods of working that we classify under agile and others that are coming, things that are much more of a sense and respond nature than a predict and plan nature, as Michael Hammond would say in his book, Evolve Agility. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Lisa, I, I want to build on that and read to something as we were preparing for this conversation today. You sent me some notes and I'm going to read something that you, you put into those notes and use that as our building block for the conversation. You wrote, the world is more complex than it used to be. Changes rock us one after the other, many of which we don't get to choose, many which we don't like, although they impact us greatly. When change is constant and nothing feels stable, what can we hold on to? Agile, but not merely the agile for getting more work done. Rather, agile is a way to metabolize change and come out the other end better. And how? Agile practices help us make forward motion and create value even in, and especially in, an uncertain and changeable world. Agile values and the belief system help us work with the world as it is. 
not as we hoped it would be or as we incessantly try to force it to be. That's yeah, so beautiful. That, yeah. It really it's nice to hear those words read back. Yeah, what's going on for you right now? Well, I'm just feeling so grateful that I get to participate in something that has the potential of that kind of impact for individuals and for societies at large. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is in a nutshell what we're struggling with. And if anything um, about this pandemic year has become clear, it's that the things we thought were stable aren't as much as we thought. The things we thought were permanent, maybe not. And that we are rocked by change after change, most of it which we don't like, which is the smallest change of having to give up some personal um, want or desire to do something like visit your family for Thanksgiving, um, all the way up to losing loved ones. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, as we record this, just last week passed 250,000 people dead. And I think about the fact that that's each of those numbers is a person, but it's also a family and a community. And that's a lot of change to rock us over and over again. And so when everything else is changing, what can you count on? And I think the repeatability and the clear and simple and serviceable structure of the agile frameworks is what we can count on. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, something as simple as why does the daily scrum happen at the same time and place every day? Because by that consistency and repeatability, it re helps reduce complexity. And so I think that is what are the structures that we can sort of bring into our life that lower kind of the tax of functioning mm -hmm. so that we have more capacity to rock and roll with the changes that are coming that we are never going to expect. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about this on the personal level for a minute, but not yeah. get stuck there because I think this has widespread societal ramifications. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important place for us to focus our collective efforts. Um, but to understand that, let's go to the personal for a minute. So you know, just check it out for yourself, everyone who's listening, each one of you listening right now. Think about what your last year has been like and how many changes have happened. And I have been in a, in a practice of personal agility, using the personal agility system this last year. And this, the simple structure, as you said, Leslie, like the ritual that gets created is every Saturday I know I'm going to sit down. I'm going to celebrate what I accomplished last week. I'm even going to celebrate the stuff I didn't do because I'm learning what's in my way from not doing the things I said I wanted to do. And then I'm going to plan another small increment. And there have been times, and that's usually a week, but there have been times this <laughs> during this pandemic when I tell my husband, oh, that's so two days away. I can't possibly think about that now. So even a week sometimes is too long to plan. And that's okay. So that's the thing is that every week I get to sit down and say, what is the ground truth right now? Yeah. Not what I hoped would be happening, 
not certainly not the business plan I had at the beginning of 2020. That's completely changed and in fact been decimated and had to be reborn several times already. And I think it's that repeatability of knowing that that's going to happen for me every Saturday and that I'm going to make a plan for a very short period of time. I am going to produce value even in the midst of complexity and loss and suffering and whatever else I may feel that week. Um, And sometimes uh, the plan is to be still. Sometimes the things I put on my personal agility board for the week are things like enjoy life walk more days this week than you don't yeah yeah um because it's um it's guided by and all these agile frameworks are guided by the business value you're trying to create yeah well i think what i what i hear you talking about lisa is a lot of the stuff that I've learned from my collaboration with Michael Hammond and my gosh, you've had so much more of that in your life than I have, but how he's really turned me on to this idea of being in this world that is so complex is really about growing your capacity to just be with it. Mm -hmm. And that that's what I hear you really talking about is just, and, and if, as we as individuals, don't have that capacity to be with it. Society is the collection of us as individuals. So then I think about right the tipping point sort of stuff. And if you just get, you know, 10 or 15% of a population to sort of increase its capacity to be with, how that has the ripple effect through the larger whole. And then it becomes systemic change, not just individual change. Yeah, that's right. So there's always this dance between the individual and the collective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that we as Agilists have such a beautiful collective to um, come back to almost as a home base. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about the fact that I have missed seeing people so much this year. And I didn't realize the function that conferences and traveling to do work had in my life. It's, mm-hmm. it's that I got to touch into the sort of home base collective of the agile community, which is such a, a nurturing and creative place for me. It is. It's almost like home port. It's like a charging station where you come mm-hmm. kind of like plug back in because yeah. of those values and beliefs yeah. that we all sort of share. Right. And at the same time, it's time to leave the nest. It is. It is. And so that I think that is, that's the idea. Like we as Agilists, we've been training for the world we're living in right now. And we've been doing it in the constructs of our organizations and in product development and service development and all of these things. And so even just over the past few years, we've seen the agile ideas, you know, more formally move into HR and marketing and other business functions. And so we talk about, you know, business agility now, but it's, uh, it is time to leave the nest and really take these ways of being in the world to society so that everyone can be with this more. I, I like to use the phrase change fluency. Mm. Right? Change is, 
right? And the question is, in the way that we develop fluency in language, yeah. how do we become so fluent in change that we're able to ride this wave of complexity and uncertainty in more graceful ways? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would point to three specific agile practices. There's like a bunch of them, but three specific ones that will allow us in any context to help people ride these waves of change and even come out the other end in better shape. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what, a, what a gift and what a joy that would be, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the three things that, that we can count on when everything else is unstable that the Agile frameworks give us are feedback loops, cadence in producing value, and having short, stable time boxes. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there are probably others, but those are the three that came to my mind when I thought, okay, now let's get practical here. So, like, what about the Agile way of doing the practices that we have can help people metabolize change in really any context? And especially in the context of a complex world. And, you know, like one of the biggest problems of a complex world is that you cannot see the effects of your actions. And and you cannot, as much as you want to, predict what the future will be. Right. And so I think... The, the, when we take these, I think the, the three practices you talked about there are so important. And this is why having this conversation in context of coaching agile teams and the influence of professional coaching in this work, one of the skills that I've most cultivated is the ability to hold something lightly. Hmm. And that I think is like, this, like if we're talking about, you talked about your used professional and coaching uh, as a spice. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a core ingredient, but it's just a spice mm-hmm. that we sprinkle into our lives. And so that's like a meta skill that I, from professional coaching, like just hold it lightly. Because if we can help people not be so attached to trying to predict with such certainty what the future right. is, then we can rely on these practices of fast feedback loops and the cadence and the repeatable time boxes Mm-hmm. to allow us to create that value. We are at that point then working with emergence. We are creating from, not yeah. reacting to. Yeah, exactly. And if we, you know, go ahead and put in those faster feedback loops, mm-hmm. in, in essence, construct them. Yeah. Construct them. You know, you're going to run for a week or two. You're going to produce real value, even though stuff's changing. You can hold things still enough for a week or two in most cases to produce something of value. And then you look and say, well, how has the world changed? Yeah. And how do we want to incorporate that change in the next small time box where we're going to produce real value? And, and the idea of producing real value all along is its own reward, <laughs> number one, because you have this sense of accomplishment. But also think about it this on a societal or, or a grander scale. If we worked this way in government and in the way we come together around topics like climate change or food distribution around the world or social justice, public health, social justice, yeah, like we think about those things. Um, First of all, there's a lot that those domains have to teach us agilists. So let me just say that. Mm -hmm. 
And when we bring in our um, practices and we help people get more done for their mission without killing themselves, that's a good thing in the world. That is world work. Yeah. Yeah. And when we, when we create these feedback loops that allow us to see what's going on on the ground and, as you said, work with it to make the next plan for the next short time box where we're going to produce value and move toward the mission, whatever that is, then that's a way that Agile is helping us metabolize change rather than trying to hold it at bay, which it's clear to me is an impossible task. Yeah, I um, my cheeks are starting to hurt from like this smile that's creeping in around like one of the things that is so wonderful about the time box and the way you described it with your personal agility is that is my time to celebrate, right? Even the things that maybe I didn't do, but what I learned from choosing or whatever emerged that I wasn't going to do with them. And we have that opportunity as Agilists to bring that gift of frequent celebration, even of the things that didn't go well to the rest of the world. Because when you're in such a state of kind of systemic grief and uncertainty and that, that longing to be with our loved ones that we, we can't be seeing right now. It's, um, but it's like putting marbles in the societal jar so -hmm. that we still have that currency to, to pull from, um, at, at the macro level. I love that. I hadn't thought about that before, but yes, you're right. I mean, you know, the, in the old way of working, if we waited to celebrate, we would never celebrate. Yeah, because we do a post-mortem. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Let's peck over the dead body rather than celebrate. But yeah. in, in the agile way of working, we get to say, okay, let's celebrate what we learned. Let's celebrate what we did. And let's move on to the next thing, taking those lessons forward. Yeah, And that is just, I'm, I'm just noticing my my energy has come up quite a bit. That notion energizes me a lot. That that notion can move mountains by itself. Mm -hmm. And I will bet you, if we are using agile practices that we talked about, um, I'll bet you that people will be more um, trained in the empirical approach and they'll be less susceptible to conspiracy theories, less susceptible to um, emotions that are so contagious that take them over and have their brains go numb. And then they are in a wash in a sense of overwhelm, which by the way, I have been. So I'm talking about this as if this is outside myself, but I have definitely felt it this year where, you know, you just are sort of paralyzed and willing to take any line that someone will throw you that feels certain. Yeah. Instead of grabbing onto that line that feels certain, instead, we can use these practices to ground ourselves in ground truth at certain moments. It's like the scaffolding that stays strong mm. while other things are changing. Yeah, exactly. Around it. Yeah. So when you can count on nothing, what can you count on? These agile practices, you're going to do them yeah. over and over again, and they're going to help you metabolize change. I, I And I, I notice I, every time you use the word practices, I feel a little triggered mm. because I'm like, 
is it so the practices are a result of the beliefs? So is it really the beliefs that stand strong? Because the exact practices and the exact way you manifest them might be different. The way you manifest a fast feedback loop or the way you manifest the cadence of producing value in time boxes, though the practices of how you achieve those things can be different. For sure. Right. So I'm I'm not sure like what's well, going I on think, with me exactly see, when you talk about a, it. I think there's a deeper belief system we haven't even plugged into yet. Oh, go for it. Yeah. So I we talked about those practices in sort of framework agnostic terms, because you're mm-hmm. right, there's lots of different ways to implement those. So maybe what we were talking about is a category of practices instead of a practice. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm not sure which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. And I think of it actually more of like an infinity loop. There's a practice that's trying to express a value or belief. There's a value or belief that's wanting to be expressed, and it gives rise to a practice. And then back, oh, yes. back and forth. Over, yes. you know, Right? I mean, so... Uh, I have goosebumps thinking about this. I really don't care which one comes first. I just want the recognition that both are necessary Mm. for a vibrant um, practice and belief ecosystem. Yes. And so like the, the, the belief that we agilists have, the core one is belief in emergence Mm -hmm. that we are actually willing to experiment and let what emerges from that experiment guide us. Iterate, experiment, learn from doing. Yes. Let the better or best things emerge. And this is how we get better and build something more enduring. Oh. And I think I've said before in some of our conversations, like I want to make empiricism new again. Mm-hmm. Because that belief in emergence, it it almost comes without saying that if you're going to work from emergence, things must be transparent. You must be looking at them and adapting at all the time as you go, which are right. Those core pillars of what we mean by empiricism. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think, I'm sorry, Leslie. No, I was going to say that there's kind of, there's just no sense in not applying this to everything in our lives and in the world, because we know it works. We yeah. feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we hold ourselves accountable to kind of creating that co-responsibility of us as a society or as a community of agilists to do more with it? Hmm. That I don't know. Right now, I'm just trying to find out, Leslie, if you and I can reach some individuals who say, you know, this is ringing a bell and mm-hmm. maybe... If another, enough of those individuals start to find one another, yes, then we'll have a new ball game. Yeah, that, and which is the entire purpose of this episode—to just plant the seed, maybe light a spark in a couple people. Yeah, so that we can start different sort of conversations. Yeah. Well, and I think that what we're doing right now, and what you just said, and this transparency you just created, is part of the belief system that is underpinning this cat, these categories of practices, they're going to be so useful. And that's, and that's our belief in transparency plus accountability, not just Mm -hmm. transparency, but transparency and accountability together. You know, as agilists, we expect to learn and adjust. 
We have these fast feedback loops. We have retrospectives. We produce value in a time box, so we have something we can inspect. And so we don't need to be right mm. or to bet the bank on something. You know, so I think so much of what I've seen in the last year is a bunch of people feeling like they need to defend how they're right. And guess what? They're not. And it doesn't matter because what was right yesterday may not be right today because things have changed. Right. And, and even beyond that, we have the ability by looking at what is going on with this transparency and accountability to notice the good things that happen out of our decisions and also notice the harmful unintended consequences that happen out of our decisions and to be able to take responsibility for them. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's huge. I can't think of any decision of any sort of scope or import that doesn't have both good out- outcomes and unintended harmful consequences. Yep. And, and the idea that we would ignore that information is I think what has gotten us into a a big world of mess where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the beautiful thing about Agile is that we go ahead and we create that transparency and we marry it with accountability and we say, oh, just as we said a moment ago, okay, now we've learned, we're moving on. Yeah. And we're moving on, we're going to deal with what didn't go so well and we're going to do better next time. And, And this is not something that we do as individuals. It takes everyone. Like I think about that and and I may have used this in one of our conversations already as well, but if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want Mm. to go far, go together. Yeah. And we are in a place in a time where far is vastly more important than fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because the types of changes we're looking at are not ones that are quick wins. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's why you make me think of the third piece that that came to my mind when I thought, so what is the belief system underneath Agile that is a useful thing for navigating the world of complexity? And that third one is interdependence and collaboration. Exactly what you just said. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, we Agilists in general believe that we need lots of people. We need, we need to go together yeah. in essence. We need lots of different um, life experiences and points of view and, specialties and expertises to come together to deal with these things that are not so much um, problems as big old messes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so that together, like that, that sense of like, can we come together and figure something out and then figure out, and I love how Glenda Oyang of the human system dynamics Institute says that she says, figure out the next wise action. Mm. Next wise action. Yeah, because there is no such thing as resolving most of the issues we are working with right now. 
I mean, even in a regular business, there's really no such thing as that. And as you take it up to the level of working on our global shared issues, it's, there's definitely no such thing as a straightforward, you know, one answer is going to solve it kind of thing. And what I love, Lisa, about that phrasing, the next wise action is it allows us to hold the idea of being right lightly. Yeah. Because it's not about the next right choice or the next best move. Mm -hmm. But what's the next wise action? Mm -hmm. And see how that marries so beautifully with Agile. It's like you figure out the next wise action. Okay, what are the things we're going to do to experiment, to try that one out? We do that for a short period of time, and then we inspect and adapt. Yeah. And plan again. Get ready for another cycle. I mean, it just goes on and on, and it's incredibly stable. Yeah. That structure itself is incredibly stable. The The other thing I'm reminded of listening to this and and doing this with that interdependence and collaboration, the collective of multiple people doing this, is um, some of the stuff you learn in in coaching around everyone is creative, intelligent, and whole. Mm -hmm. Because there is a, um, a risk of listening to this conversation, I think, and being like, well, Agile is the right way to go approach the complexity of the world. Mm -hmm. And we even have to hold that lightly, right? It's the beliefs in emergence and like this, just the wisdom Mm -hmm. of the way we have been approaching what we define today as agile and taking that into the world and knowing that what it might turn out to be is not what we've experienced for the last, what, 25 years of scrum and going on, 21 20 years, years yeah. or yeah, 20 years of the Agile Manifesto, right? That it is okay if the way we've been doing it is different. Well, and I imagine it would be. So, I mean, you think about um, taking this into vaccine distribution, for example. So the people who know how to distribute vaccines know a lot, and we don't need to be jumping in there with some, you know, white cape ad with an A on the back of it telling them what to do. Yeah. However, I'm I'm sort of curious. I'm sort of curious about what if we were to join forces with people who are working on the the strategy for distributing vaccines or maybe even like on the ground actually doing it. What about our point of view about the way we have internalized this belief system of emergence, transparency, plus accountability, interdependence and collaboration and the stuff we know how to do that enlivens it, what if we came with a curious mind and we watched them work and we asked the question, huh, what are they teaching us and what might we have to offer to them? Yeah. I mean, that that seems to me to be a set of worthy experiments that we could run in any number of contexts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard not to sit in the space of, and to what end on my, my day-to-day life when there is such possibility of the more that can be created in the world. So what might you say to our listeners that are like, Leslie, Lisa, I get it. I believe. I just don't know how to do something that might help bring this forward into the world in a different way? I've never known how to execute any of my missions either. I've never, ever known how before I started. I just knew 
And this is what I will say to you if you have this question in your mind. I just knew that there was something more I wanted to do. And for me, that comes from my, my deep belief that this human life is a precious thing. It's like an incredibly precious thing to be a human. You think about the chances of being born a human versus a bug. <laughs> I've never thought about that before. <laughs> I mean, you think about the fact yeah. that there are not that many humans on the planet, even though there are a lot now, there's not that many humans on the planet versus all the other life forms on the planet. And so like, this is an incredibly precious thing. And so that's what motivates me. I, uh, there's a wonderful poem by Mary Oliver. And one of the lines is, what are you going to do with your one what is it? Oh, this is it. What are you going to do with, with your... Oh, hang on. We're going to have to go get, <laughs> get the actual wording because I'm, I'm forgetting it now, which is hilarious because this is actually one of my core values. Um, oh, tell me. This is it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Will you read it for us again just a little bit slower? Yeah. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Mm. That's the, from a the, poem. The, the pressure's behind my eyes again. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and those feeling of, t- it's just, yeah. So, I mean, what that's that, really. That is, that's the higher calling we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. And Mary Oliver said it beautifully in this poem. And that that phrase runs through my head all the time. And so to people who are in a job using Agile in some way that you may or may not appreciate, I would just ask you, what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And what whatever that is, you don't have to know how. You just have to know what. Yeah. And then be looking for the ways that that what can express itself. Yeah. And I'll bet you they'll come. Yeah. It's like, just what's one small thing that you might do today that would make that idea a little bit more reality in the world? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One small thing. What is a higher calling, Lisa, that you're starting to rally around yourself? This has really just come into focus for me in the last few months and so it's quite new and I realize I don't quite have all the right words yet around it but basically my highest calling is to help emerge on the planet a thriving sustainable and just human presence that I'm really clear I'm really clear that in the last few hundred years the human presence on the planet has become a virus to the planet and to ourselves. Yeah. Will you, will you tell us again those characteristics? Like you yeah. talked about just, and what were some of those other words? Yeah. This is so interesting because it's a takeoff from an organization that I was involved in when my daughter was in high school and she was involved in it called Generation Waking Up. And so it's the same words. And I just realized, you know, years later how it's come back and it, this is my organizing mission now which is to create a more thriving, sustainable, and just human presence on the planet. Thriving, sustainable, and just. Mm-hmm. I love that. And those go together. Um, they're not separable. Yeah. Those, are, those are three um, things that pull against one another in a dynamic and creative 
intention. Yeah. yeah. And so the current um, expression of that right now is to increase the quality and wholeness of decisions that are made, especially business decisions, since that's where I happen to be planted. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I invite listeners to, and, and this work is not easy to kind of uncover what your personal sort of mission or purpose might be. I, I've been struggling with this almost since I've met you, Lisa, and only mm-hmm. in the past several months have I started feeling like I know myself enough to really put a stake in the ground. Cause I think it's really easy to pick stuff that sounds like corporate propaganda mm-hmm. or really buzzwordy and markety um, around like, Oh yeah, this sounds great. But the way I hear you state that phrase to me, like, it, it comes through as like, that is who you are and what you are on this planet to do. Mm-hmm. And it's what I'm organizing around. Yeah. So, so all I have to know is that's what I want to do. I want to increase the quality of decision making. And as soon as I say that, then all of a sudden I start paying attention differently. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the interesting little weird things that come into my inbox, I never paid attention to. I actually open them up and like, oh my gosh, look at that. There's there's a, an indigenous method for making decisions that we've known about for ages that we have forgotten about in the yeah. modern world. <clears throat> and oh, for example, can we, can we pause there for a second? Mm-hmm. There was an indigenous way of making decisions that we've forgotten about in the modern world. Mm-hmm. I think there's something really important here, especially in the information age that we live in. And there's so much coming at us that we add and 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 we forget where we started mm-hmm. and bringing things back to those core beliefs in the in the ways that have served us so well in the past. It's like, when's the last time we stopped doing stuff in order to improve? So like finding those indigenous ways of making decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. In yeah. this quest. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's how it works for me. It might work that way for you. Um, but also I really appreciate Simon Sinek's work in the infinite game. I've just re- really listened to that book recently. And he talks about having a just cause that businesses need a just cause. Mm-hmm. But he also says something really amazing that I think is potentially relieving to a lot of people, which is that not every human being has to have a just cause. That it is just fine and beautiful and right if you see someone else's calling out there, you see someone else's articulation of a just cause, and you say, yes, that's the bandwagon I'm going to hop on. That's what I can align myself to because that's what my one wild and precious life is about, is about what those people are doing, and I'm going to join them. Yeah, because if you want to go far, go together. Right. Yeah. It takes that. How did you phrase it? Um, interdependence and collaboration. Mm -hmm. If we each had our own individual just causes collectively, like it might not ever really happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else do you feel like we need to say on this, Lisa? There's so many places we could go. 
I mean, I just want to spin the the possibility that we Agilists were not put here by accident at this particular time. That maybe, maybe we received this training, maybe we were able to use Agile in our businesses and practice and get good at it, Maybe the teachers came, maybe the experiences came, maybe all of that came to get us ready for this world we're in now. Mm-hmm. And if we bring forward our practices and our belief system and the ability that we can include both action and depth, then this world can change. We made the decisions that got us here as a human species. We can make dis- different decisions to get us to a better future. Yeah. We absolutely can. And that, listeners, is exactly why we wanted to have this conversation and use it as the capstone for this series because we have all the building blocks. We have the knowledge. We've been training for this and this moment in our world. And we each have that opportunity to make decisions in just little different ways than we have in the past. So that the way we're having conversations and talking and interacting and having a just and rich collaborative world and two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years can be different than what we're living in today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have kind of feel like uh, we're, we're standing on the edge of the nest. Yeah. And, and, and you're standing on the edge of the nest with us. And we're encouraging you to jump out because you, you do have wings that will work. You actually do have wings that will work. You might not have tried them in a different place before. You might not know what air is like yet. But as soon as you open those wings, you are going to soar and you will be able to take what we know as Agilist into other places to vastly improve and enrich our experience together as a human species on this planet. Yeah. Together we have an opportunity to kind of uplift all of society's ability to thrive in the ever-changing world we live in. And so I just simply ask, how are you going to lean into that? Lisa, thank you so much for this journey Mm. of recording these episodes of the journey of this conversation today. I'm better for having been on it. I hope listeners feel the same way. Yeah. And I'm better for having explored it with you, Leslie. Thank you. And um, to anyone out there who has heard a different idea or gotten a little spark, just keep going. You don't have to know how, you just have to know what you want to do. Lisa, if people want to get in on the conversation around anything from this episode or anything from the entire series of chats we've had, um, what do you suggest they do and how can they kind of keep this alive? Yeah, so I, well, I suggest you turn to your local and now translocal Agile meetups all over the world. And continue to find groups of Agilists that you can talk to. 
Because that's the nest. That's the place to come back to and to recharge and get new ideas before you jump out and fly to another context where you're bringing what we know how to do. Um, And to continue the conversation with me, visit lisaatkins.com and use contact us. You know, if enough people contact me and, and we start to see that there indeed is a network of agilists around the world who were who've jumped out of the nest, who are taking this to different contexts, then I don't see why we can't start to bring a community together. I think that would be beautiful. I love that. Thank you for making Mm -hmm. that offer. Thank you for being part of this, Lisa. I'm so thankful, so appreciative. And uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series. The Women in Agile podcast team is honored to be the home for this special content. If you enjoyed the show, we ask you to please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your other preferred podcast platform. That will help us achieve our mission of amplifying the voices of women in our Agile community. As always, a huge thank you to our Women in Agile podcast sponsor, Scrum.org. And if you're interested in finding out more about the initiatives from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, we invite you to visit www.womeninagile.org. Thanks again for tuning in.